I noticed when I was doing the welcome that we had a lot of new faces, it seemed like, in the crowd. So let me introduce myself. My name is Sean, and I am uh, one half of our youth ministry team here. And uh, Chris is, gets another week off. I, we need to talk about his, his uh, vacation and stuff. But he uh, went down to Auburn with, uh, with some family and, and uh, spent the weekend down there. Uh, Jeremy uh, preached for us last week, and he gave me permission to make fun of him um, for how long he went last week. But I only have 10 minutes because he ate up so much of my time. So, um, so I won't, but no. Uh, Jeremy did a great job with us for us last week. Uh, but this morning, I want to open with a question. Uh, it's a simple question. Um, how far away is too far? Now, this question kind of manifests itself in a couple of different ways. I know for me, yesterday, sitting at home watching college football, uh, there were times where I wanted to switch games, but I looked over and the remote was just a little too far away, and I was like, hmm, you know, I, uh, Colin, come get the remote. Um, or, you know, for some of us, you know, we, we in life, we're like, you know, I want to take a trip, but you know, do I really want to drive that far? Uh, maybe it's a little too far away. I'll get in my car. Some of us even ask the question, uh, we're like, you know, the mailbox is just so far away to walk. I'll just get in my car and pull down and get the mail out. You know, we ask those sorts of questions. And, and guys, I'm going to, uh, women, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Uh, guys, we're the worst. Um, because this is what some of you will do later today. You will go home and you will uh, kick your feet up and you'll lay in your bed and you'll watch TV and, and you'll be like, oh, this is just, this is perfect. This is the golden hour. It's sleepy time. But then you'll notice that the light is still on. And so you'll do what we all do. You'll be like, honey, honey. And your wife will come in and you'll, you'll make up some lame question like, uh, hey, for lunch today, that chicken, was it free range chicken? And she'll say, what? And you're like, oh, never mind. I read a blog about it, so I was just curious. And then she'll be like, oh, oh you weirdo. And so she'll walk out of the room, and, and you'll be like, oh, by the way, while you're leaving, will you hit the light for me? And she just she gives you that look, and you're like, I'm sorry. Because that's what we do. We ask this question, how far away is too far away for us? And we ask it in a lot of different ways about a lot of different things. And for a lot of us, you know, from our spiritual perspective and our spiritual life, we'll ask the same question when it comes to God and our relationship with Him. At some point, if you have not asked this question in your life, at some point I think you will, and the question is, how far away can I get from God and still be okay? That's a question that a lot of us ask. In some form or fashion, we'll ask this question, how far away can I get from God and still be okay? Because we base our life and our thoughts on just being okay. If I'm okay, everything is okay. And we, we ask this question in a couple of different ways. It may be just as simple as, how far away can I get from God? Because we have things in our life that we're ashamed of, and we want to run, run, we want to hide, we want to get away. We want to ask the question sometimes, how much can I get away with before what I'm doing is really bad? Um, we ask that question. We ask, how far can I push the line, push the envelope of fill in the blank, whatever it is, before it's wrong? We ask those sorts of questions. How much sin can I really do before I'm, quote unquote, a bad person? We live like this and we ask questions like this, and it's the reason why sometimes 
believing people will push the envelope of sin and do things that they know is wrong and do things uh, within the boundary of their lives. They, they push that boundary of sin and they live like they're not in a relationship with Jesus, but they'll claim that they are. Because we'll ask that question, how far can I get away with this and how much can I do? And it's people who say that they love God and they, and they, and they do, I think they do, and they, they believe in Jesus and they believe in who He is and they believe in the Bible. But yet we constantly ask this question because we'll ask really this, how, what can I get away with before God gets too upset, right? That's what we want to know. We want to know how far can I push things in my life, the way I treat people, the way I talk, the things I watch, the things I do, before God's going to get upset and smite me. Because if God's not smiting me, then am I really that bad? And so we ask that question. It's kind of like when we're little, we were little kids. My little kids do this, and um, they don't do it as much anymore because we live in a different house. But the old house we lived in, we had a TV stand. And uh, it was about, you know, this wide, rectangular, about knee height off the ground. And when they were little, what they would love to do is they would love to climb this thing. And they do what all little kids do. They wait till uh, you're looking at them before they begin to climb. So, you know, Colin would go up and he'd put one little foot on and be like, where's dad? And I'd look at him and be like, hey, what are you doing? He'd be like, I'm on my way up. And he would make that climb. And you're like, dude, get down. And he'd just be like, nope, I'm on my way up. And so you go and you move him and, and then you turn your back and he puts his foot up again. He's like, what you going to do about this big boy? I'm like, I just told you to get down. And he does it over and over and over again until you, you know, you spank them and they cry and you feel like a terrible parent. But, but that's the way we kind of treat God. We'll ask this question, how far can I get away? How, how far can I step away? What can I get away with before God's going to be too angry and intervene in this situation and step in and say, stop doing what you're doing? What can I get away with? What can I do? This month, or actually last month, I guess in August, Chris has been talking about this theme, life on mission. And he's been telling us about the importance as believers to be a part and partner with God in the mission that he has for us. He talked about how it's really important for us to connect with unbelievers. If we're just kind of isolating ourselves in our little Christian bubble, then we're, there's a problem there. We need to be hanging out, spending time with unbelievers, people who are, are lost and people who are pushing those boundaries and, and connecting with them. He talked about how important it is to serve the people around us without worrying about whether they will ever come to church or not. Sometimes when we serve, we're thinking, if they don't come with me or they don't sign up for a Bible study, then I haven't done my job. But the truth is, is that we need to be serving the lost and serving the, the unloved regardless of the outcome. And if the opportunity arises where we can speak some truth into them and share the word and talk about Jesus, man, praise God for that. But if that's our only end game, then we're missing out on, on, on what God is calling us to do to serve. And then he talked about the importance of just going out and telling people what the Lord has done for us. Man, we all, everybody in this room that is a believer in, in God and calls himself a Jesus person, you have a story to tell. A story to tell others about what the Lord has done for you. And then last week, Jeremy told us about how the gospel can truly change things when it's lived out. But in this mission of God, a lot of us struggle. A lot of believers struggle connecting their day-to-day life with the mission of God. Because we wonder and we ask this question, how far away is too far to be rescued? Um, 
we ask this question, how far away is too far to be rescued? I'll tell you a quick story. Uh, this may be familiar to you, I don't know. Uh, there was this young boy, young boy, who lived in his father's house. Um, his dad was pretty protective, often not letting the boy do what he wanted to do because the father, you know, the father knew best, right? One day the boy declared, enough, I'm done with this. I, I know better than my father does. I'm going to go out and I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to make my own choices and be my own person. And so that's what he does. He goes out and he does what, you know, any stupid young man does. He says to his buddies, hey, watch this. And does dumb things and gets in uh, difficult situations. And, and there he is now. He's made a bonehead decision and he's now in a place that is not his home. He's lost and he's in grave danger. And meanwhile, back at home, what does the father do? Does the father get angry? Does the father prepare to smite his child? Does the father just ignore that he even had a child? Does he say, ah, oh well, he's gone. He's made his bed. He must now lie in it. No, he doesn't do that. He goes after his son. He redeems, he, he seeks to redeem his son, to rescue his son. And now, this story may be very familiar to you. Um, if you know this story, it's Finding Nemo, right? Uh, you thought it was a different story, didn't you? Yeah, I got you. Uh, it's Finding Nemo. This is the story of Finding Nemo. And I haven't seen the second one, but I've seen the first one. And this is the, the, the story of Finding Nemo is the gospel message. It is a, a, a son, a child, who makes terrible decisions, gets in trouble, and needs his father to rescue him. And now, I, I will say, I said this a couple weeks ago or a month ago during VBS. This movie scared the craziness out of me. I don't like the ocean, and so, um, but, but uh, you know, sharks and, uh, uh, no, um, I was nervous the whole time. But it's an amazing movie. If you've never seen this movie, it is the gospel message, and you've had plenty of time to see it. So, if I'm spoiler alert for you, sorry. Um, you've had plenty of time to see this movie. Um, but, but this is the gospel message. Young Nemo makes a choice. I'm going to go do what I want. My dad's kind of a jerk and mean and overprotective. I'm going to go make my choices and do what I want. And he gets caught up by a fisherman who wants to put him in an aquarium and give him to a mean little girl. That would kill him. But, um, but the dad makes this journey to go rescue and save his son. It's the gospel message. Because we ask this question, how far away from God is too far to be rescued? And the truth is, we're never too far. It doesn't matter how far you go, how far you run, God is always willing to come rescue you. He's always willing to take the walk. He's always willing to go down the path. He's always willing to come and find you when you're ready for Him. Now, you know, Jesus tells us, apart from blaspheming the Holy Spirit, which that's a lesson in and of itself that I don't have time to explain, but apart from that, there is nothing that we can do to separate ourselves from the love of God. So this morning, talking about life on mission, you may say, well, Sean, I'm a baptized believer. I go to church every weekend. I go to church when the doors are open. I come to church all the time. What does this have to do with me? I am a rescued person. Well, I'm glad you asked because now I'm going to tell you. Because the, the, the story of Finding Nemo and uh, really this whole idea of rescue comes from really, you know, the story that you thought I was going to tell you, Luke chapter 15. Now, 
In Luke chapter 15, Jesus begins to tell us a couple of parables. Jesus has been teaching and talking and and telling uh, the, the people about what it looks like to be a part of the kingdom of God. And in chapter 15, it starts with this. It says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear him. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. I can just see Jesus. He's kind of hanging out with his people, talking about awesome God things. And one of the Pharisees goes over to whisper, and Jesus must have like super bat hearing, I don't know. And, he's, and the guy says, man, this guy, he welcomes the sinners and eats with them. And Jesus is like, boom, gotcha. And so he jumps into it. And he tells us the parables of, of the lost sheep and the lost coin. But today we're going to focus on the parable of the lost son. I'll read it for you. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together, all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth and wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be your son, to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against you, against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be your son. But the father said to his servant, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied. And your father has killed the fattened calf because he, was, he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat to, so I could celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him? My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is found. This parable teaches us about rescue. It teaches us about the importance of rescue. But I think it also teaches us about our journey in connecting with the mission of God. Because somewhere along the line, we're all in a different stage of rescue. We're all in a different stage of being rescued or have been rescued and what's next. So this morning, I want to talk about, those three, about three stages um, based on three seats that I find here in this parable. We have three seats. If you're wondering where these, what these chairs were doing, they were for a prop. 
because I like to do props. You all know this now. Um, three seats. We have three seats and three stages of being rescued. Seat one is very simple. It is, I need to be rescued. This is the seat that needs to be rescued. This is clearly, obviously, the younger brother's seat because he is in a state of need. He needs to be rescued. Now, for a lot of us in this auditorium, we sat here at one point. Maybe you were much younger. Maybe you uh, have just recently committed your life to Christ. I don't know. Not, a, not for all of you. Some of you I do. But you've sat here at one point for most of us in this auditorium this morning. Some of you in here, this is where you're sitting now. You're walking a long, dark road of brokenness, despair. You're trying to hide from God, trying to get away, trying to do things your way. And this is where you sit this morning. Now, for some of us who have sat here and moved on, sometimes occasionally we find ourselves sitting back here because the world tells us to live a certain way. The world tells us to do certain things. And we're like, "Mm, maybe I should. And we step back into this seat ever so briefly for some of us. Some of us is maybe longer than others. But this is the lost seat. This is the seat where the world tells you, hey, do it your way. Do what you want. Your way is a better choice than God's way. And many of us, like I said, have found ourselves sitting here at one point or another. This is the the seat that tells us the lie that uh, we can be, do, act any way we want, and we should be proud of that. And we should be happy in that. We should celebrate that. It reminds me of a quote from C.S. Lewis. I love this quote. He says this. He said, It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition. When infinite joy is offered us, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in the slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at sea, we are far too easily pleased. The first seat is for the lost. It is for those of us lost in sin, those of us lost in our lives needing God and needing to be welcomed home. And now, the amazing thing about this seed is this is not where we have to stay. We read the parable of the lost son and we read the gospel message and we know that for those of us in this seat, there's a different seat offered to us. And that is seat number two, the rescued seat. This is for, I would say, many of us again in this room who were once there but have now moved on because we've realized that there's something bigger in this world for us. There's something bigger in uh, the universe, in all of creation. There's a spiritual nature to this place that we live on, and it all starts with Yahweh, God the Father, the creator of heaven and earth. And we we know that, and at some point we we were able to, to, to realize that we needed Jesus in our life. And so we moved from being over there in our lostness and in our, our, our state of need for rescue, we've moved over into a state of being rescued. Now this is a great place to be, and, and for those of us in this room who are Jesus people, this is awesome. To move from a state of needing rescue to being rescued is amazing. Um, if you've ever been in a situation where you, uh, you know, were kind of drowning in a pool or, uh, you know, and somebody's rescued you, you're like, yes, thank you. Please, I'm so glad you rescued me. 
If, ever, if you've ever been in a tight spot and somebody's come along and helped you, you're like, yes, thank you. It's awesome. Being in a state of rescue, be, being rescued, that state is an amazing place. And praise God for those of us who are there. But this is just a part of the journey. This is not the end game. This is not the end of the story. Jesus didn't ascend to heaven looking down at his followers and saying, hey guys, I've saved you, be good, peace out. He doesn't say that. He says, what? He says, those of you who call on me and claim to be my followers, you should go out and make new disciples, baptizing others, teaching them to follow me. He gives us a mission. He doesn't say, just sit here and be happy that you're saved. And this is where the disconnect comes, I think, in the mission, living out the life on mission, is for a lot of us, we sit here, and we sit here. And we're comfortable in our state of rescue, and we're happy about our state of rescue, and we don't want anybody to bother our state of rescue, because we've already been saved. Hooray for me. And this is where the older brother sits in the story. The older brother was faithful. The older brother did everything he was supposed to. You know, he went to church every Sunday. He read his Bible. He did the things he was supposed to. He was faithful. But he was comfortable in his rescue. And this is where a lot of us sit sometimes. And this is where the disconnect happens because we get very comfortable in the fact that we've been saved and we've been rescued. And we're not willing to move on. This is where a lot of us sit in American Christianity. We're very comfortable that we've been saved. And you know, the brother wasn't wrong, if you think about it. Everything he tells the father, he's not wrong. He says, Dad, I've been faithful. I've done everything you've asked of me, and you've not given me anything. But my brother over there, he's, lost, he's gotten rid of everything. He took everything from you. And he gets to sit here now? No. No. That's not fair, Dad. There's no way. I've been faithful. This is my seat at the table. There's no way this guy who ran around, slept with who knows how many women, spent all of your money, who knows what else he did, probably did drugs, probably drank a lot, I don't know, but, he, but he's a bum. And he gets to sit here? No, mm -mm. not going to happen. This seat becomes our moral high ground. This is where we stand and we look down on the others and say, you look different than me. Mm. I don't want anything to do with you. You're going to come to God wearing that? You're going to come to God acting that way? Mm, no. I grew up on these pews here. You're not going to get the same as me until you start looking like me, acting like me, doing everything like me. That's the only way you're going to get in the doors. Too many of us, we sit here and we look down on them because we know our salvation. 
we remember our rescue, and that's important to us, and we hold on to it. And we're not willing to have anybody else's rescue look any different than ours. And we're not, allow, we're not willing to allow anyone else to come to the throne of God any different than the way that we like to do it. We can't get stuck on our rescue. We cannot remain stuck in our own rescue. And that's where a lot of us sit in our American Christianity. Again, the older brother wasn't necessarily wrong. He was right. This guy, his brother was a bum. His brother did all those bad things and he was so faithful. But man, he was a jerk about it. He was not willing to give the same sort of grace to another person that the father was willing to give. And that's the thing, is it wasn't the brother's money, it wasn't the brother's pride, it wasn't the brother's family name that was blemished. It wasn't him. It was the father. And so he gets on his high horse and gets all high and mighty about it. That no way, this, brother, this little brother of mine is worthy because I've been so good, Dad. And the dad says, you're missing the point. You're missing the point. And that brings me to the third seat this morning. This is what I'm going to call the mission seat. This is the next step. This is the seat where we get to partner with the hero of the story. This is really the best seat because we get to wrap arms with, uh, with God the Father and we get to do the work of the Lord. We get to go out and we get to move down this row and pull people out of their lostness, out of their brokenness, out of their pits of despair, their sinful lives, and we get to say, come on, there's something better. There's something bigger. We get to look at them and we get to partner with our, our God, our Father, the hero of the story, and we get to be a part of the mission of God. We get to be what God has called us to be. We get to take part in purposes bigger than ourselves. We get to rescue the lost when we sit in this seat. This is a big deal. It's a big deal for us to move from there to there and not get stuck here. For some of us in this room, we get stuck and we're like, I know that God has a purpose and a plan for me, but I just don't know what it is. And the truth is, is that what we have to realize is that we have to get our hands dirty and we have to partner with the Father to do the mission of the Lord. We can't just be satisfied sitting and coming to church and thinking, this is enough. We get to partner with the one who runs down the road after the lost. And we get to be right behind him, just running. And when the Father hugs somebody who's been dead but is now alive, we get to hug them as well. And we get to take them back and we get to celebrate. And we get to be on the dance floor in the house and dance it up with them and celebrate. And 
a wonderful time. But you see, the thing is, is the father goes out for the older son too. If you haven't caught that in the story, that's the thing is there's that moment in the party where you can just see the dad. He's got a big old smile on his face. He's like, yes, my son is home. I love it. But he looks around and he says, where's my other son? And he says, hey, hey, servant. I don't know what it, Bill. Hey, Bill, where's my oldest son? He's outside. I don't think he's very happy. And you know, the father doesn't say, well, make him come inside now. Father goes outside. And he talks to him and and he listens to him yell at him. He listens, the father listens to the, the son yell at him and he says, but you're missing the point. I know everything that I have is yours. I've already promised you all that because you have been faithful, but you're missing the point. The point isn't just being happy in that. The point is being happy in doing the work and being part of the celebration that a lost person has been found. This mission seat is where we partner and we get to partake in kingdom work. The mission seat is valuable to the world around us. The world doesn't need more people that are just secure in their salvation. The world needs people who are willing to partner with the Father to reach out to an unbelieving world. So this morning, I don't know where you are, and I don't know what you think about all this. For some of you, I do know where you're sitting. Some of you, you're sitting here. Some of you, you're sitting there. And praise God, some of you are already down there, and you're trying to pull these people that way. But I will tell you that if you're here, if you're lost and you're struggling, there's a God who loves you more than anything else that He's ever created. I love that moment in Genesis where the Lord does what He does for humans that He doesn't do for any other creation, where He blesses, blesses them and He breathes life into them because we are special and we are valuable and we are better than anything else He's ever made. Any pretty sunset that you put on Instagram or Facebook or anything like that, we are bigger and better than that. And if you are lost and you are sitting in this seat this morning, God is running down the road after you saying, just turn around, come home. Now, if you're here, I'm so thankful that you believe in God and you are a believer and you've been faithful and you've been a, a person who comes to church and a person who believes in the Lord. And you were rescued once, and I praise God that you were once rescued. But if you're sitting here, I'm going to urge you and I'm going to challenge you to move. Because sitting in these pews on Sunday morning, sitting in our classrooms on Wednesday night, is not enough. It's not enough if we want to see Chattanooga changed. It's not enough if we want to see the state of Tennessee changed. It's not enough if we want to see the United States changed. It's not enough if we want to see the world change for the kingdom of God. It's just not enough to sit here and be happy in our own rescue. And if you're over there, man, praise God. 
there are so many people I do know that go to this congregation that are the hands and feet, and they are constantly pulling people out of their despair and brokenness. But wherever you are this morning, I'm going to challenge you to move, to make a difference, to connect with the mission of God, to reach out to the lost, to not just be comfortable sitting in your pew every Sunday morning. You will go out to lunch today and you will walk into a room full of people who don't believe in the Lord. What are you going to do about it? Are you going to gripe because your meal was a little late? And then hand them your bulletin for your 10% discount? Is that what you're going to do? Because that's not the mission of God, people. It's not. Each and every person in this room that is a Jesus person and is a baptized believer and says, I want to follow Jesus, you better start following him. Because what he's doing is he's going after the lost to reclaim them as his own. The mission of God is a big deal. To be saved by the blood of Jesus is a huge deal. And it is of great importance. But after that, to get our hands dirty, to roll up our sleeves, and get to work. That's our goal. That's our mission. So if the mission of God is ever disconnected with you, and you're like, I just don't know what to do next. I'm a believer. I just don't know what to do next. Look for lost people. Tell them about the goodness of your God. Tell them about the greatness of His glory and how He's willing to go to no ends for you. Because He's done it for some of us in this room. So I don't know where you are this morning. I don't know what it is. If you are lost, we'd love to point you home. If that's where you're at in your journey, you're lost, we'd love to point you home. If you just don't know how to really get involved in the mission of God, we'd love to, to talk with you about that too. There's so many ways that we can help you partner with God and His mission. I don't know what it is. If you just need to be prayed for this morning, if you're just struggling, if this is you or this is you and you've kind of slid that way, I don't know. But we want to surround you in, in love and let you know that there is a God who wants to rescue. There is a God who wants to, to, to call you into relationship. And there is a God who wants to call you into his purposes and his mission so that the kingdom of God can spread far and wide. If there's anything that you need this morning, I don't know what it is. But I would challenge you to remember that it is rescued people that go out and rescue people. That's our job. So this morning we're going to sing a song and this will be our opportunity for invitation. If you want to know about what it means to be a follower of Christ in the waters of baptism and move along this journey into the mission of God, we'd love to talk with you about that this morning. We're going to stand and sing together.